Oh, well, he'll grow up sometime. But at 15, 15, 15... Fifteen, Luke and Dan here as always. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How about yourself? Not bad. Uh, another bonus episode for you there, guys. But just really can't bother to tackle full one at the moment. Uh, I've rushed Dan back from the cinema, and I'm going to discuss the film he's just seen. Dan, to no, those I... that for those that can't be asked to read the show notes, what is the film we're going to be discussing tonight? Licorice Pizza, a new Paul Thomas Anderson film. Fantastic. Paul Thomas Anderson, obviously, his resume reads Boogie Nights, Phantom Fred, Punch Drunk Love, The Master, like exceptional CV there. Um, where do you want to start with this film? Should we talk about the two central characters? Because that's what the whole film is based on. Obviously, this is set in the 1970s, isn't it? With the whole backdrop of the oil crisis. And it centers around an uneven relationship between a confident Manchild, a fifteen-year-old Cooper Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, and Alan. Yep, and that explains why he was so good. Obviously, runs yeah. in the runs in the family, and Alana Heim from the girl band Heim, um, yeah. and she was also exceptional. But she's older; she's twenty-five. Where do you want to start on the? Should we start on there? Did you enjoy this film? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely love this film. Not oh no, right? Oh wow. Okay, well let's let's sort of add a little bit more context then to so So the premise basically is he's like luke said he's touched on that it's a man child he's a man child he's 15 and he meets um this girl alana um at she works as she's a bit of a down and out deadbeat she's working as a doing his school photos and their relationship basically through a series of narrative vignettes uh, Mm -hmm. we see uh, how much he wants her Mm -hmm. and how much her relationship means to him and then also how she's not really ready or mature enough herself despite being quite a bit older than him to um kind of confront that and uh, kind of process those feelings and to keep kind of flirting around with all these other things but ultimately she keeps getting drawn back to him i think that's best how you define their similarities really he cooper hoffman uh, gary valentine his character i've learned the characters names this time dan um, well he is trapped in this limbo between being 15 but wanting to be 25 and alana heim's character is very much the vice versa of that isn't she she's 25 mm. she probably wants to be 15 she regrets not taking the opportunities she's more cynical now and he whereas he's doughy eyed and i think they were absolutely captivating i honestly thought they were superb their performances I think Alana mm, yeah, was very good, very good, but I thought Cooper Hoffman was fantastic. So, so mm. good. I have more issue with Paul Thomas Anderson here, actually, because mm. I basically sat through what I felt was a sort of nods to Wes Anderson, nods to Tarantino version of When Harry Met Sally, but wasn't as accomplished as either of those things. And I feel Paul Thomas Anderson is better than that. 
yeah, quite don't... scathing. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I don't think it's his best work, but that's because, I mean, two of his films are generally in Punch Drunk Love and Phantom Parade are two of my favourite films. You probably chuck them in my top 50 films. So it's, I don't think it's his best work at all. And I do think it's a sort of work, like you mentioned the vignettes, that's something we definitely need to come back to because that's the way this story is told. Um, he, it sort of flickers around us and it goes from waterbeds to ping ball, ping ball and then... Uh, the oil crisis and this weird sort of political strand with Ben Safdie doesn't really make any sense or for no reason. And I do think if you'd given him time, Paul Thomas Anderson would still be making this film. He'd still be filming bits of it. He'd still be editing bits of it. And it yeah. is very, I don't want to say indulgent. It's its difficult it's to pigeon. It's very indulgent. Well, no, it, it's definitely indulgent. It follows it's his... way too involved, indulgent. It follows... To the point where it loses itself in that. Like the whole, some of these characters were just, so needless and you know the um the kind of chinese um oh bloke. japanese i thought that was so funny i didn't at all oh, I, I thought, thought there was no it wasn't it was just racist <laughs> oh, which yeah yeah but it was it was it wasn't we weren't laughing at him or laughing at how idiotic he was i don't think it was racist uh, also we should, was, we should be casting those we should be casting <laughs> We've definitely treaded too close to that line. Um, let's talk about. Have, so you but... mentioned about cameos there. Let's talk about some of the cameos. I oh the Bradley I, Cooper one was terrible. Fourth, amazing. I thought it's fantastic. No, so this annoying. That was the weakest eye, part of the film for me. That sort of wide no, eye, wide What was the character. point? Is that it was an, it was annoying. It didn't. Sh- what did it show? It was that was the worst part because it just was so uncommitted and really kind of. The storyline just didn't make sense. Like it was just annoying. Yeah, of I, course. Oh, and I get the whole. You know, what you're going to reply to that is, oh, it's kind of a juvenile incident where they basically Bradley Cooper is a bit fucking intense and weird and rude to these characters who go in and they basically trash his house and then they trash his car. But in the on the way, he kind of unbeknownst to them, well, unbeknownst to himself rather, gets back involved with them as they go to get some petrol. And I just thought it was so like. This adds nothing. It just was weird. Bradley Cooper's character, really, I didn't enjoy. He was just annoying and silly and really stereotyped. I felt the no. whole point of, I think it ties into the backdrop of the oil crisis. It just sort of shows the strangeness of the world, like the world's difficult to contextualise and you're sort of falling through it. And that also, I love the running motif that also plays into this sort of, not juvenile, but like I said, I mentioned it before, like, though we had this optimistic view of the world, but like when you're but younger, you just, when you were, one second, I'm just finishing. Scene. When you were younger, you just run and you just run and run. And because it's just, why wouldn't you? If you're given the options of run or walking, I'd just run all the time. It's way more fun. And that's kind of what this film is. You're meant to feel this film, let it film wash over you. I don't think you need to focus too much on, maybe if you don't like but characters, it, fair enough. We don't need to focus too much on plot and narrative. It's just meant to be an I, experience. No, I don't think so at all. I'm sorry. I don't think this film added any context. I don't think the film needed the context of the oil crisis at all. I also have major issues with the fact I don't think any of the peripheral characters had any depth. I don't really think they, the main characters, whilst they were very well performed, I don't think they had anything to them at all, really. They were just very flat. Um, and I think we wasted a lot of time on these sort of, especially on, it was a huge section of her rolling down a hill in a lorry like well done she can drive like I, it, it didn't add anything to me and he and that they were both really annoying he was annoying 
Gary Valentine being this sort of kid. And I kind of take issue off that with them all being kids. I didn't, I don't think it need, I don't think it added anything. And except for a, a discussion about juvenility, but I think you could have, it, it really kind of, I found it really hard to process. Maybe I just didn't get this film, but I found it really hard to process that they're supposed to be at school and yet he's running all these sort of gigs as a sort of Del Boy character. His mum, their parents at no point step in. It felt the kind of, yeah, it just didn't work for me. And I to think- go on back on context to flip flop around in my own thoughts, that was where it kind of felt Tarantino-esque in that once upon a time in Hollywood, right, it sets itself very much in a world and you see little characters, you see little nods to history, you see the Mansons, you see um, Steve McQueen, and, you know, these characters add context to the world, but they're done quite uh, confidently, whereas this felt he was sort of trying to position himself as in as normal a way as possible, but in this world, and it was kind of indulgent, it didn't really, it just didn't work for me at all. So I, I felt quite bored. I preferred those broad strokes that we see in this rather than Tarantino's, I don't prefer it to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I quite admire, I quite like the broad strokes. Going back to what you were saying earlier, what I wanted to jump in on is this story of, I think the film, this is a film like you make of it what you want to, right? At one point, the, the main, probably the main part of this entire film is when Alana is sat, I think with her sister it is, and she goes in the manner that she does, which I found fantastic the whole way through, this acerbic manner she has, yeah, yeah. which is, do you think it's weird that I hang around with, a 15-year-old and all his friends and whoever they're talking to just basically says, it's whatever you make of it and or something to that effect. And that's kind of what this point of this film is. Depending on your viewpoint, you might think this is a bit of a perverse relationship. You might think it's heartfelt, but I always found myself relatively in between that and I think that's okay. I think you can still enjoy the film and I quite like that. I wanted to jump back to cameos, by the way, because I did want to give some shout-outs. I thought Tom Waits as um sean penn's mate you know the the one in the pub with the gravelly voice you had to get yeah. everyone together i thought he was fantastic i was laughing my head off at him i thought it was so funny and then the agent i had to write down her name because i didn't know it, it was yeah, harriet was samson amazing. harris yeah she was she was fantastic. she was fantastic yeah she was good i she did was, enjoy her yeah, was like, this you're, film you're just, a dog you're a dog <laughs> So it felt good. this film felt like, like it went in so many directions and didn't deliver. I just I don't know. Maybe I am I'm a bit of a stickler for sort of linear, and I do enjoy that sort of thing. But this sort of wishy washy, in as much as that's what I was talking about when Harry met Sally, because when Harry met Sally does th- sort of major vignettes throughout their life, and they the peaks and troughs relative at each different stage in their life and throughout each other their relationship pulls them back together. So but by the end of the film, we kind of understand why they should be together. Whereas this, it didn't, you know, he didn't age. He was always 15. So it felt very sort of brief and snapshot. This Del Boy character was really interesting. He could have been older and it could have been a more kind of traditional relationship. And you might argue then that that's a less interesting film, but isn't the film more about, well, I suppose maybe it's maybe that's the thing. Maybe I have missed it, but I've kind of got draw from that film that it was about them two and their relationship and their, you know, she, she was wasn't re- he was much more mature than she was. But does do we need him to be fifteen for that to still be true? Could I, he not just be twenty five and be a Del Boy character? Talking about directions, this film was pulled in. One I'd like to have been pulled in further, and then we're going to get you onto. Uh your comfort zone here so maybe you can start to like to recall about some parts of this film is his oh. child actor stuff 
because right. obviously a big part of it, I, I agree with something you massively said, which is the fact that he stayed 15, which felt weird. But yeah. clearly during this film, he was outgrowing being a child actor. And so that's why his movies yeah. are entrepreneurship. And we never really focused on this change. And it felt like a big part of him. And we saw him do auditions and he wasn't very good, but he was enthusiastic. And we didn't really, really go down into his psyche, which I would like to be more, because I think he, Cooper Hoffman had enough about his performance to really go into that depth. Mm, I do. It's too, yeah, he was. It was Both of them were very commanding. I'm not criticising them. It's more from a screenplay point of view. Another thing on that acting thing, when she went for her interview, when she meets um, Sean Penn's character, mm-hmm. where did that whole kind of thing go? It, it felt just, it, I don't know, it just oh, didn't yeah. feel complete. It didn't oh, feel yeah. complete. She never got the part, did she? And maybe that's the point of it, but you need to, ex- I felt like you need to explore that more because then the next thing they're selling these waterbeds and the kind of waterbed thing felt very indulgent I, in itself. I, I did get fed up with the waterbeds. I agree no, with that. I hell. was like, well, we spent 45 minutes on waterbeds and I'm like, yeah. let's keep moving here. But I will agree with you. And then the next thing we're on pinballs. I like that scene where she started to work. That's when it, if you kind of ignore the fact he's 15, I think this film works better, but then they kept making bloody reference to it. Oh, he's 15. You know, if he's a, if he's a guy who's way ahead of his time, he's young, he should, he doesn't, you know, but he's this Del Boy character who's wheeling and dealing and she's trying to get her life together, but she's immature. She doesn't know what she's doing. And then she gets this political job and he helps her out. I enjoyed all that. And that kind of confrontation they had. And I actually thought that was a really good scene where she said, I'm not driving you to mm. whatever help. That felt very real. Authentic. That felt a very real yeah. scene and authentic, yeah. But no, nah, I just, I've, I really struggled with it. And I found myself getting quite bored and restless in the cinema. And at two hours then, that suddenly it becomes a very long two hours. It did feel like a long two hours. I do agree with you there. Um, what do you think about the whole idea of the take on first love? Because I don't think it offered too much extra to the genre. And I guess if you had to pigeonhole this, you'd say it's a coming-of-age film. Difficult yes. guess yeah. that's where it is. But I did quite enjoy their take on First Love, especially from his angle, you got it a lot more. And she was someone that was, I guess he's young because she's at odds. If he, if he wasn't young, she'd just be with him. And that would kind of be the film. And she's trying to wrestle with herself that she wants to be with him. But I do sort of believe the film rushes towards the end and sort of gets them together. And I'm like, I know it's been a long amount of time. We haven't actually seen her deliberate why she's not with him. Do you know what I mean? She always, she always yeah. questions her hanging out with him in a platonic way, but she never actually questions it romantically much. She kind yeah, of just back, pats point. him away, doesn't he? When he's obviously, because she just kind and of And then the next thing him. she realizes she needs him and she wants to be with him and she loves him. I didn't, I certainly came out of it thinking, I don't believe in their relationship would last. No, I don't. I think he expects that as well because you hear Gary Valentine saying, "This is the girl I'm going to marry." But I mean, you take that with a huge pinch of salt, don't you? I wouldn't for a second expect them to last. Um, yeah, that's a really good point you make about her. They're kind of yeah. I didn't consider that, but they do get together very quickly in a sort of unresolved way, a sort of convenient way almost. Um, um, did you enjoy the sort of 4D element, not in a literal sense, but in the sense that? Did you get at least get any like the idea of nostalgia? I think that was huge in this film, and right. even the characters themselves feel nostalgic, even though they're living in that moment. I have no connection to the seventies at all, but I had some sort of love for this era, and I felt it. I generally sort of felt the experience of the film. Did you get any of that? Like the music was good. Did you not really music, enjoy the music? Soundtrack was good. Yeah, the soundtrack was good. I give him that. Um, Johnny Greenwood was on the uh, score. It, yeah, I mean, it well. certainly captured what I've. 
I mean, I wasn't there. So I guess, but the 1970s California, I guess. Mm. Or were they California or were they Pennsylvania, actually? Oh, I don't know. I thought it was California. I thought it was California, but then he said let's, a line about him. Let's, then, let's stick well, with I got. Yeah, California. But it felt... It's it those sunsets, isn't it? It's those huge sunsets. Yeah. It's usually California that with them. Dusky, orange tilts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, I don't really feel it. It didn't go... For me, the best part, actually, the oh, most, maybe most sincere part... Oh, no, we're not. Oh, I was going to say, the well, apart from that woman, the casting scene, was the beginning and the end. I really enjoyed the beginning. I the thought this is a really interesting way... So he's she's walking down the line and he's walking up oh, the line of yes. getting the photo. And I thought that's a really interesting way of them meeting and kind of that snapshot encounter. And I thought, okay, where's this going to go? You know, he's a kind of very charming, older, younger guy, and she's sort of not sure about where she's going. But I think it needed to mature from that point, and it stayed at that point for me. And I think I don't quite buy into that. Um, and then the ending, I thought the ending was kind of quite sincere and kind of genuine. Have, albeit maybe rushed, something I hadn't considered, but you, I quite enjoyed the idea of them running away from each other and then coming back together with the same, you know, she runs to him, he runs to her, and maybe that's a bit sort of... No, I agree with that. Completely. No, I completely but agree with that. But didn't you quite... want it to finish a free... Uh, it then had a couple of extra weird scenes where the, there's no need for them to go back to the pinball arcade yeah there's or didn't weird... like it where and he then there's a and... and she says i love you was their holding hands that felt well weird that yeah. didn't like that but I, I mean you touched on the start there how accomplished was the cinematography at the start that mm, felt very very slick and mike what i was going to say was the manipulation of the police scene mm, so many really scenes in that. that was i thought that was probably the best scene where yeah i didn't at, enjoy that place at the waterbeds they come in. Uh, it's a wrongful arrest, basically, but no one knows that at the time. And I guess, I guess, it's there to make Alana confront her feelings about him. Yeah, that was a nice way of doing. I think the first half was quite. I was enjoying that whole dynamic, and but then, yeah, it, it just went. He, he need they needed to mature him because the mum, like their parents, never got involved. I'm thinking, what's the mum doing while their kid, her kids, selling waterbeds? Like it's a weird thing. You know, and then they all get stoned afterwards. And I'm like, surely it's then like, like, I know California is supposed to be liberal and all that. And it's the seventies, but like, they're not all just smoking pot and letting their kids run riot. You're in a Paul Thomas Anderson film. <laughs> it would be, you need to watch Inherent Vice. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, okay. Right. Well, uh, yeah. I don't have too much more to say. I pretty much rattled it. No, I, I did want to say, I, think, I, I checked my the police scene. Oh, sorry. Just go back to that. I think the police scene did have quite a lot of, very yeah it was nice and there was some good sort of political commentary there in without it being rammed down your throat and it kind of worked in the context of the film but after that for me it kind of the whole film just veers off somewhere yeah. to a bit of a just repeating the same old thing just to sort of wrap the film up as towards as it as the film sort of concludes it goes to this political strand then as you mentioned political there what did you think of that whole amount ben safty who's quite a good performer um, that was a very tender moment. That was also, I really enjoyed that. The bit where she goes to the restaurant and she mm. thinks she's going to get ahead. And then he, I mean, he was blatantly gay, but it was nice her seeing her realization. And then a really tender moment where the gay boyfriend, the gay boyfriend, the boyfriend goes, Oh, you know, um, is he a dick? You know, if you've got a boyfriend, is he dick? You know, all men are dicks, kind of all, all boyfriends are. It was quite a tender moment and a kind of moment for her to realize actually, you know, yeah, I do kind of like this guy. I thought there were notes of one film 
and then we just went off on these kind of quite indulgent, weird, wacky films. Um, yeah, which one, one thing you can like to, or not like. One I thing didn't. I did want to say towards you, I think maybe I'm just assimilating this too much in my own life, and I think you probably yeah. can, you could probably respond to this as well. But when you're younger and you kind of look back and you think, God, I could have died like three times whilst growing up, and I think that's the point of this this weird stranger while she's working in the, uh, for the mayor. Um, Oh, yeah, candidate yeah, yeah. that's a weird bit the whole in- interaction with Bradley Cooper I know you didn't like it but I thought it was quite great and exhilarating and like all the when she's on the back of the motorbike all these moments where you kind of kind of that died just, yeah. that felt it could have been a huge moment actually kind of anticlimactic um I just like the way he manipulated us there to be honest I'm always up for a Paul Tom Sanderson film it's not his best one but I still think it was very good um I'm I, think, des- I want to know your score though yeah well just yeah I've felt Paul Thomas Anderson should be making better films than this. And to to have so many quite notable, I thought, elements of Tarantino, Wes Anderson, there was a bit of kind of that, that bit where she was filming the political guy um, coming up the hill and then they turned and they were all sort of a metre apart, all doing various filming things behind the camera. I, I liked it, don't get me wrong, but it was, it felt, and I just think he should be, his style, he's, you know, you, you pay homage to the dead or you kind of recreate. You don't just sort of parody. Not that he was parodying, but you know what I mean? You don't just copy. I don't know if you've uh, just brought me down on this film, but some I've just thought of, which I quite like the idea of, is this film didn't really challenge Paul Thomas Anderson. Like, if you think about some of his previous films, like Punch Drunk Love, he challenged himself to make a... Na- he makes long films. This is short by his account. He challenged himself to make a 90-minute rom-com, and he did that. Uh, the Master, he wanted to do this weird story in Scientology, and he did that. Phantom Fred, he wanted to do like a, this antiquated fashion British film, which is yeah. way out of his comfort zone. And I think in this one, he was just very much, I don't want to criticize it, but like almost autopilot, no, safe mode. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He felt like he maybe he knows what he's doing. He's a consummate pro at it, but he, he, he wasn't pushing himself. He wasn't really at the boundary there, was he? I can definitely see that point. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think. Did I give June six? Yeah, you did. June is like one of my. We mentioned it. We'll do a best of the year, and that's definitely going to feature highly in mind. I can't believe you gave that film a six. I think this is like. I think it's a, a right. really just a one five, second before you say five, something. But for second. the craft, I give it a right. five and a half. For Guns Akimbo, I'm pretty sure you gave it like a six. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you did, but I think you give it around a five. To be honest, I think you might be right. Oh, um, yeah. I give this Dan. I've got this at eight point five. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, I liked it, but it was really good. Which, it's not like a nine, I didn't absolutely love it, but the performances get me there. They're, oh, I just the, thought the performances were so good. Theory behind the name, what do you think it is to do with? Um, I don't know. They, it ha- I know it had the working title for a while, Soggy Bottom, which I quite like. Oh, really? I actually think I prefer that as a well, name, actually. Well, then that kind of worked. I, I thought, I said to uh, on the way back, I thought, is the licorice pizza the idea that the next fad that comes along, he will just latch onto? He's on airbeds, that's a fad. Pinball machines come in, he's on that. He's the kind of character who will just go on a whim, and that whim might be licorice pizza. But I guess the context would be she goes with it. All right, that's quite interesting. I... I think it's a little bit more abstract than that to be honest i think it just came i'm sure i've read some on this it just came to me just yeah. encapsulated the film um hot fuzz i gave 10 out of 10 for and i just put the only note of it was the letter h i don't know what that's about um 
Guns Akimbo did give six, so I think I'll probably have to give it a six. Oh my god, Guns Akimbo is now like that sort of watermark, and you know you've got to go above (laughs) or below it. But that's like we call it the the Guns Akimbo line, and like anything below it is bad, anything above it is good. (laughs) It's not even a good film, it should not even be given that accolade. Guns Akimbo, it was quite, I think I give it a four or four and a half, maybe. That's a crap. Roger Ebert. What did Roger Ebert use to base his highly prestigious score? Guns Akimbo. And he couldn't say that towards the end, could he? Um, no. <laughs> Freud was ravaged with He couldn't cancer. do that either. Yeah. Anyway. With the Kibo, he was so weak. <laughs> Horrific. Okay, Dan. Uh, well, have you got anything on the horizon for your next cinema trip? Have you got any that you... Um... Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm off to uh, watch Tatan. I think it's... I call it Titan, but it's French, and it's the one that won at Cannes. French sort of weird horror film. The one that the director of Raw, it's her. Be Tatan. Can. Can. Um, her the, the, the director of Raw, it's her next film, uh, and it looks fantastic. So I'm, I'm watching that next week. Next week, actually. Um, boiling point, maybe try and pick that up. Nah, I won't bother. Um, Disappointing. Uh, off the board. Um, not much point. Lovely. Not much boiling point. Very good. Okay, Dan, thanks. Go and have a nice evening. And just bye for now. It's a goodbye from him. (laughs) Say it. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. You've been listening to a The Rest Is Noise production. For sales and advertising, please email therestisnoise.uk at gmail.com. For more episodes and to keep up to date, follow The Rest Is Noise on Twitter.